and welcome to the latest episode of the Thames Podcast. My name is James Coleman and we're here to give you the very latest in all things mentoring and bring you stories and advice from experts across our profession. This week, I'm delighted to say we'll be joined by Joe Berkmar, who is Partnership Director at the Wessex Schools Training Partnership. We discuss what changes he has made to the support his mentors and teacher educators receive and what positive impact these changes have had on the progress of their trainees. So, as always, settle in somewhere comfy, grab a cup of tea and welcome to the Thames Podcast. So, delighted to say I have Joe with me now. Joe, how are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. I'm trying to get used to the new normal um, and with a two-year-old at home that's tricky but we're, we're getting there I think so yeah thank you for having me it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Not at all no it's, it's brilliant to have you on Joe and um, I, I know you've got your your own podcast too which uh, we've worked on together before and um, so it's a, a pleasure to be able to uh, invite you on as one of our first guests which is a uh, which is brilliant. So Joe recently for Nasbit you've written your uh, a blog that that got considerable traction online um can you tell us a little bit before we speak about the blog specifically tell us a little bit about maybe your role your provision what it is that you're up to on a day-to-day basis when you're not at home looking after your two-year-old trying to juggle everything else <laughs> in the current <laughs> yeah. circumstances yeah so uh normally i am a secondary teacher so i'm i'm employed by paul high school so uh, my training and background is in PE, so I teach uh, GCSE and A-level PE, but for the vast majority of my time, I run a skit uh, of about 27 or so trainees across all subjects, only in secondary. Um, we're based in 11 schools in the Pool, Bournemouth area. Brilliant. And, and, and how long have you been running the programme for? So I, ha- I took over five years ago. So, yeah, I'm coming up to my 100th trainee this year uh, that oh, will pass for us. So that's a nice little landmark. Yeah, that's great. I've I, I never kept track on how many. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and, uh, get yeah, back and count them it. up, I think. That's a it's, lovely thing to be doing. It, it is quite a nice little thing. And, and then you start thinking about how many you've kind of supplied to the to the local schools. It's just a nice, nice thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. It, when you think back to kind of the very start, and I know that you and I were on a, a similar trajectory at the time because we, we went some uh, CPD together. Yeah. Have, have things changed in that time? I mean, the three or four years that you've been running the programme? Yeah, personally, yeah, hugely. I've learned an, an enormous amount. I think uh, I was very naive when I first took over, uh, just about the level of depth and understanding that you need as a, a skit leader. I think our provision looking back five years ago was naive also and um, a bit box ticky, I think, um, in hindsight. But mm-hmm. I think there's, there's always a tendency when you're new to a role to, to do that, I think, that you, you just want to make sure that everything gets done. And unfortunately, I think at times the, the burden of that box ticking fell on the wrong people. So it fell on the trainees we were asking too much, specifically asking too much of evidence um, because we were nervous, I think, uh, to be honest, that we wanted to make sure that everything was was all completed. And now uh, I feel a lot more comfortable in my role and in the provision that we're offering that we can actually make sure that 
the trainees are, ha are working on the right things and their their efforts are being are being utilized in the right way and towards towards their development as much as possible uh, and and also the the big change obviously was the Ofsted framework or which is still I know in in production phase but I inherited a good skit that was seen in 2013 so wasn't was we knew Ofsted was was on its way and then the framework obviously did the new framework delayed that which for us was a was a good thing because it gave us an extra bit of breathing space to to put something in place yeah um but I think most pleasing was that the framework mirrored my thoughts on ITT. It did, it did mirror what we were what we were trying to put in place, which I'm thrilled about because obviously I, I didn't fancy doing a whole load more work to to then try and fit to a framework of inspection. And and so with those those changes that you've kind of reflected on from obviously with the Thames we're, we're we're trying to focus as much as we can for the podcast on, on on mentors or teacher educators and that some of that like you said that that box ticking uh ethos that's existed prior to now really how did that impact on mentors do you think as, as well as your trainees on mentors I think it's it's difficult because you you'll have you'll have a mentor and you'll work with them maybe if they're on a, we run a short and long placement. So short placement, they'll be working with us for eight weeks and we have a certain hoops to jump through. Uh, then they might start working with another provider who has a completely different set of hoops to jump through. So I just wanted to make sure that our provision and our expectations on the mentors were as clear as possible, but also driven by the trainee so that it took that burden of, of the, the mental having to understand the intricacies of our entire program for such a short amount of time. And I think that that's what, when you, when you, when you become wrapped up in ITT, like, like we are as, as, as leaders, I think it's very easy to, to expect other people to be as invested and why aren't the mentors meeting with the trainees or why yeah. aren't they doing this form? And how didn't they get that in on time? I gave them six weeks notice and things like that, <laughs> but everyone's got things going on. And, and no matter, even if it's our, our number one priority, it's not going to be the mentors. So I think we have to make it as easy as possible. We have to make it as accessible as possible. And we have to put the onus, or this is my feelings anyway, put the onus on the people who, for the people who this training is the number one priority. So that means that the responsibility falls on me and on the trainees, not on the mentor. And I think that that shift for me had a real impact on my expectations of the mentors, but also on what I was asking the mentors to do more specifically. So in, in terms of that, that shift of onus, as, as you highlighted, I think we can all recognize the fact that, you know, making yourself a priority when, as we all know, teachers have a million other one priorities ahead of you, quite rightly so most of the time. What, what, shift does, what does that shift look like? What, what changes have you made that have put that onus maybe on the trainee, on yourself, on the program to communicate that clearly to your mentors? Well, we completely changed how we run our program so previously it was the development of of the trainee was very much 
reliant, I think far too reliant on the quality of the mentoring that they were receiving. So the mentor had to come up with the targets, the mentor had to drive um, the trainee forward, drive their progression and motivate the trainee in the classroom to, to try new things. But also it was really reliant on the mentor, A, knowing what, what was right for that trainee at that time and B, having the ideas themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult because that's, that, straight away just throws inconsistency into the mix. If you've got a a trainee who is two years in and maybe trained in a a very fixed program where there weren't lots of ideas, then went to work in a school that teaches a certain way, and then they just fit that model, that's the way they're going to train the trainees. That's the advice they're going to give. That's the suggestions they're going to come up with. And, And then the trainee takes all of that stuff so you you have a load of a mentor saying right afl that's that's red red amber green cards that's Mm -hmm. um whiteboards that that's what afl looks like here and then the trainee then leaves joins another school where the language is completely different yeah (laughs) expectations are completely different (laughs) and the, the mentor's understanding of what afl is for example is completely different and yeah. for the for the trainee, that's really disconcerting, and 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 when they're trying to to learn how to teach, trying to complete a PGCE, trying to learn how to do evidence, try to learn how how to some of them to write to master's level, that's massive. It's it's a, it's another layer of stress that's just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So so what we decided to do was we developed a program using. Uh, a fixed text so I wanted to create a common language so I wanted the the trainees in every single school and the mentors in every single school to be using the same language so there was no inconsistency in in the understanding of what AFL was what good questioning was what what good feedback looked like I wanted to remove that that stress Mm -hmm. from the trainee and from the mentor so the way that we did that is we used making every lesson count. I remember the, the minute, so I had this, this idea rolling around in my head that I want, that's, that's what I wanted. That was my gold standard. And I was being coached at the time by Chris Moyes. And um, it was about the time that Tom Sherrington had just published Rosenshine Principles in Action. Yeah. And every, uh, it went mad, didn't it? Everybody, Rosenshine was everything. You can yes. <laughs> unless you were referring to Tom Sherrington in every lesson. That's what it was. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so there was that, that thing for me, right, is Rosenshine, is that the thing we're looking for? So I thought about it and I thought about it from a trainee's perspective and I thought, no, it's really confusing language, I think, uh, for somebody who doesn't know what, teaching is all about yet so we're talking talking about guided practice and uh, the difference between different practice types for example mm-hmm. well that's really difficult to understand then I read making every lesson count and I can remember the minute I just thought this is it this is this is the thing that we're going to use because I love the simplicity of it yeah I love how accessible it is how easy it is to dip in and out of how short the um, actual ideas are but how they are high quality and high quantity as well so I Mm -hmm. wanted something that offered 
So for example, now I've turned into a bit of a making of a lesson count Saturday, but there are 15 different ways that teachers question effectively. So that for me was just brilliant because that was a moment where you can say to a trainee, have a go at this, have a go at um, uh, rousing the dead. Let's have a go at that. Right, that's not for you, that's okay. Let's have a go at another style of questioning. So um, uh, I, I, now, being a self-proclaimed uh, sado, I now can't remember any other. <laughs> Whenever you're put on the but, spot, it's always the way. <laughs> but it, it means that when, when a trainee hears, right, I want you to try rousing the dead from their mm -hmm. first placement mentor, they're getting the same expectations because the expectations are driven by the book. Yeah. So the book becomes our kind of our, our structure, our go to. It's our constant um, in the whole training year that and every time I go to schools, I am trying to drive that. So, right. Have you have you referred to making a lesson count? What strategies are you using? What should I see in the lessons? Then also what we did to try to take the pressure off the mentor was we put the complete onus on the trainee to set their own targets. Now, early on, obviously, the mentor has a hand in that and, and guides them. But when the mentor turns up to observe a lesson, the trainee hands over a lesson observation sheet. On that lesson observation sheet, there are every single type of, let's say, questioning is, is, is the current focus. Yeah. Every single every single style, and the trainee will highlight which ones they are going to try in that lesson. Then the mentor just gives feedback on that. So that so what that what that means is that the trainee is driving what they're working on because they should understand their classes. They should they should know which which techniques they want to develop and what they want to to work on, and mm -hmm. then that will hopefully move their, move their teaching forward. And it takes the pressure off the, the mentor having to come up with all this stuff all of the time, every single week, which, which is a daunting task. And I think that the key word you mentioned during that was consistency, which is something I think, you know, all providers have strived for for a long time. Um, it, it's always something that comes up during Ofsted reports or during, yeah. you know, quality assurance visits. It's very hard to get that consistency. Have, have you seen an improvement in that based on the changes that you've made um i think it's, di it's difficult i think it this year being cut short didn't help us of course uh, like yeah of everyone. course i mean it, that's that's uh, the understatement of the year i understand but <laughs> it's yes it is the short answer yes absolutely we had to put some extra things in place um because i I still think, even though I, ha I was trying to take the pressure off the, the mentors, actually, I didn't do that enough. So what yeah. I did uh, was create a bank of kind of cheat sheets for, for every strategy. So every single make and every lesson count strategy, I've created a, an A A5 or just, just smaller uh, card that every trainee has, and they, they give that to the person and it's on like a, a roller decks almost. And so the, so the trainee then makes sure that that's on the right uh, help sheet so that the, the mentor can sit there and say, right, did they ask with an open question? Did they start with an open question? Did they uh, then flip it to somebody else? 
so it's almost like a tick sheet of a success criteria for a questioning technique which then i guess lends itself to having consistency across all of them yeah because schools. exactly and also to be quite frank with you what it did is it took the excuse away from the mentors being able to say oh what you expect me to read through the book all the time and and i yeah. have to read a read a section and then translate that into a lesson so i just did that for them and it took me hours and hours but straight away i saw the impact of that so i think that's what um, I would recommend highly to anyone who's looking at this sort of model mm-hmm. um, is make it e- as, as easy as possible because I, I use the phrase, I want it to be head teacher proof. I want a head teacher to have legged it across from a, a big safeguarding concern, their head not be in the lesson observation at all, rightly so, because they are absolutely rammed busy. I completely understand that but I want them to go into that lesson observation and be able to give the same level of feedback that the mentor would give. Yeah. And to be able to do that, they need to understand our form, our, our lesson observation form needs to be simple to fill in. It needs to be really clear and the expectations on them and what they're, they're going to see needs to need to be really clear too. From, from that perspective, I mean, less the head teacher thing, but more the mentors, what role do you see kind of teacher educators having on the development of your trainee? How, how much of an important factor is the mentor during a trainee's journey? You know, if we've got mentors listening to this, yeah. who maybe aren't involved in the process. It's, well, they're involved in the day-to-day process, but they've never been part of, you know, an ITT program at, at the level that perhaps you and I would have been or people involved at that level. Yeah. What sort of role do they play in your opinion? How important are they during a trainee's year? I think I, I genuinely think they're vital. You can, you can predict the, the feelings that a trainee is going to have about the course generally by the first couple of weeks of their placement. So yeah. if they get to, if they, um, if their mentor is forthcoming, uh, willing to invest, show the, show the trainee that they're important. And there's, there's certain things that, that are really quick wins, I think. Um, not necessarily simple things to do and take a lot, uh, some effort, but they're quick wins. I think mm-hmm. one, one thing that I've, I saw a huge impact of is um, one of the mentors sorted out uh, that the trainee would be in their own classroom. So would yeah. instead of them going to the teachers to teach mm-hmm. their classes, the teacher went to the trainee to observe and just giving them that base because they've got enough going on. They're, they're panicking about logging into Sims and being able to take the register <laughs> yeah. and, and the, the, the fear that, right, as soon as the bell for the, the second lesson's gone, I'm now late for the third lesson. and I've got to get across the corridor, up the stairs with all my stuff and then log in and it's going to take five minutes to log in. What am I going to get the, tri- the students to do? So those sorts of things make a huge difference. Yeah. I also think showing, showing the, the trainee that you're organized. So knowing when they're going to be there. And we've, we've all had that uh, experience, I'm sure, of turning up somewhere and, and them not knowing you were coming. And that's embarrassing. <laughs> and Absolutely. so make, making sure that they know what's expected in the first couple of weeks that there's a timetable that the trainee knows that they're not missing anything. So I think that the, the mentor from that perspective is massively important. I also think 
really important is showing the trainee that you are still learning as the mentor mm. and that yeah. you're still making mistakes and and being completely honest about that that is so powerful and it, because trainees do think that in five six seven years of teaching you would have cracked it by then Mm-hmm. No, you don't. No one's. I, I don't know of a teacher who would say honestly, hand on heart, that they've cracked teaching and that they get it right every single lesson. In, during my training, I, I don't think I even heard the word cognitive load yeah. during my training, and now all of a sudden, it's the cornerstone of what exactly. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And 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 showing that willingness to okay, yeah, this is new. This is new to me. Let's let's go and find out together. Or I'm going to try this in my lesson. Give me some feedback. What do you think? Did it go well? I didn't like the way that I did this, or I think I'm going to need to move these students. Modeling that reflective skill, that is a skill for a career. That's something that a trainee will take and and then roll out over the next 20, 30 years of their teaching career and then pass on to others as well when they become mentors. And and just as a, a nice note for me, that's the stage we're at now is we're now getting former trainees being mentors. And, yep. and that's just lovely. I really do. And seeing how invested they are in our program and, the, and, and ticking all of our, our new boxes and making sure that we are, are doing the right things at the right time is massive. Um, I guess the challenge, the challenge for mentors with that is, you, you know, in terms of their subject knowledge um, stuff that you referred to earlier in, with some of the changes you've made, mm. it's harder that that choice to be open to be humble to be reflective can't really be given to someone via an observation form or through a certain system that that needs to be a conscious choice really made by the mentor absolutely yeah and i think it's like it's like the old thing that a class can tell how prepared you are or whether you know your stuff within it was it 10 seconds or something coming into the classroom yeah it's the same thing it's that first initial meeting. How do you greet them? How organized are you? Are you happy they're there? Like that, that makes a massive difference and goes a long way to the trainee um, under, being a bit more sympathetic to the fact that you are busy because, mm. but just being caring and, and honest and saying, I'm really struggling at the moment with these exams. Do you mind if we miss the mental meeting this week, but we'll pick up next on Monday and then we'll make sure we sit down at that time because I'm really struggling instead of maybe sitting in a meeting and just thinking the whole time about all those exams you've got. As far as driving their improvement in teaching. So I, I, that the, the first part I was talking about there, I think was more, more would fall into like pastoral care of the trainee really. As far as their kind of progress, driving their progress, I think they are, they are important, absolutely, but they shouldn't feel any pressure to be the driving factor. So to be the, the sole contributor because they're not, or they, they certainly shouldn't be, and they're not in our course because that's a huge amount of pressure, especially if you're a long placement mentor and you've, our long placement runs from January to June. That's a huge amount of time that you've got to spend. And to feel like you're the only person responsible for driving their improvement, that is, that's something that not many teachers will be able to cope with, with their own stresses of their job and, and, and all of the other stuff that goes with the wonderful world of teaching. So go on, sorry. Well, just, just from that perspective, because I think it's a really important point because, you know, certainly for someone who maybe is a new mentor, hasn't done it before, is really excited about being a mentor, but isn't quite sure 
what their the expectations are or you know you're almost an nqt again aren't you as a yeah. mentor for the first time yeah what, what what can what can a mentor do if they're feeling like that in order to get support or in order to find out what the expectations are what what would your you know someone who's who's dealt with that scenario numerous times i'd have thought what yeah. would your advice be to a mentor who's who's maybe doing it for the first time and is feeling a bit overwhelmed well the first thing and this is and james hasn't paid me to to say this but if you're listening to this then you're in the right place because i think that the thames is a fantastic resource um, for anyone of, of any level in mentoring, but specifically for people who um, maybe are, are taking their first sort of um, explorations into mentoring. I think the first thing to say is, if you were struggling with your teaching, what would you do? You'd go and find help. You'd yeah. ask. You'd ask a more experienced colleague. You'd ask the course leader. There were, we have school reps, so there's someone who's in control of all the mentors. Go and see them. Book a time. Go and talk to them. Look through the resources that the, the course have provided you with. I can assure you that that handbook that you think is the most boring thing in the world to read, it's no, it's no, it's no more fun writing it, I can assure you, but yep. <laughs> we spend a long time making sure that all that information is correct, all in the right place, and is as easily accessible as we can make it. So refer to the handbook. But if also, it, I can promise you, there is no course leader in the country that is um, upset when mentors are asking questions. So get in touch with the course leader because they will be more than happy. They would much prefer to have a conversation with you that lasts five minutes than an hour long meeting with a trainee who isn't getting what they thought they, wish they should be getting. So just get in touch and ask for help. Also, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, um, one of the Twitter fans in teaching. I know that there, there's plenty out there that aren't, and that's absolutely fine. But Twitter's an amazing resource for mentoring and, and guidance. There's a, there's a brilliant thing called Tiny Voice Tuesday, which if you're new to Twitter or you, haven't, you don't feel like your voice is being heard among the kind of 20, 30,000 follower gang, that's i'm not in that gang by the way <laughs> uh, the tiny voice tuesday is brilliant they they're they're so helpful they 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 recommend people who have specific expertise to help you with certain things so i'm on there for cpd and for itt there's people for english math science there's i um nqt people it's just brilliant it really is helpful so there's there's plenty out there but i also think if you're worrying about it then you're halfway there to to being a good mentor because the Absolutely. worst the worst mentors are the ones who don't think about it just chuck chuck a trainee in a classroom and sort of say i'll see you in two weeks for a mental meeting let me know how you get on <laughs> and so if you're thinking about it and, and you're concerned then then that's going to come across that you care to the trainee so so that's a win for me yeah and i, I think echoing your comments around you know being proactive if you can feel like there's something that's not quite right it's better to nip it in the bud at, at the point where you can do something about it rather yeah. than leaving it for two or three weeks and at that point both you and the trainee are in a position where things have got difficult and you're going to need some external support having that conversation very early on from the people that have got knowledge i think can be really valuable absolutely right yeah um, so in just kind of thinking about for you next year, less, less through mentors eyes and more back to your, your provision and the changes that you've made to blue sky thinking next year. And I, I appreciate next year at the moment is completely up in the air, but let's say theoretically everything was to be back to normal, which is yeah. highly unlikely, but let, let's say it's a normal year. September swings round. What would you want 
for your mentors from your mentors in a perfect world what what would that look like in a year um i think that's that's a really tricky question at the moment i think because it's so hard to imagine a context that doesn't involve this this stress um so maybe then i guess from that perspective what what you know for people that are listening to this that are thinking it's very likely next year i'm going to be supporting a trainee um, but also it's very likely that I'm going to have a million and one other priorities yeah. um, with, you know, the current context. What, what would your advice be to anyone who's listening to this thinking, well, I would have been anxious anyway. Yeah. And now this is, you know, it's only lovely. heightening that. Yeah. I think just being empathetic. So if you're feeling like that, which is completely legitimate, I've been teaching, uh, this is going to be my 10th year teaching, um, and I'm nervous. I'm worried about the students coming back who haven't been in classes for potentially six months, haven't been in a, in a classroom, what the classroom's going to look like and all that stuff. I'm nervous. Just imagine if you've never taught anyone, if you've never been in a school, apart from maybe two experience days where you popped in. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you've signed up to a course in October and then suddenly the whole world has changed and you're nervous about going into schools and so I think empathy is that that's what I'm going to need from my mentors <laughs> and understanding that there are going to be people on our training course who have come from working at home for six months and suddenly are thrust into a school with all the expectations of learning how to teach in a place that's learning how to exist. So I think that's, that's the main thing that I, I want from my mentors I also, in an ideal world, if this wasn't happening and I was sat in my office recording this and, and looking forward to next year, it's just going to be a drive on, on that consistency again. Mm-hmm. So now I feel like we're in a much different position, a much more different position, because when I pitched this, this time last year, this making every lesson count model, I was pitching it as a good idea of, I think it can work. I need you to invest in it. This is how it's going to going to work now i'm it's working get on board and um so i think that's where we are at we're in a, in a position now where it's, let's drive this forward let's make it stick let's let's make it uh, it completely embedded so that when ofsted come and i don't it's very easy to to say that i don't like doing things for ofsted but there's also a framework there and they're grading whether we're going to pass this framework or not so you kind of have to play the game, don't you? Mm-hmm, but absolutely. Im- embed it enough that it's second nature and yeah. that everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet. Everyone, when the, when the Austin inspector talks to them, everyone pulls out a copy of Making Every Lesson Count. Every trainee is talking about how they're embedding this particular thing at this time and what the program looks like. Uh, that's, what, that's where we're at before before we start to wrap up joe we are we're gonna we're gonna trial out a a a big five which is five questions we're going to ask every guest that comes on the uh, on the podcast okay a couple (laughs) you don't need to sound too hesitant (laughs) there's nothing nothing to catch you out i promise okay a couple are linked to teaching a couple are linked to 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 find out a little bit more about each guest that we have Mm -hmm. uh are you keen are you keen to take on our big five i without any knowledge of the questions i'm keen (laughs) <laughs> excellent we'll see how we'll see how we go i promise you All there's right. nothing to catch you out okay okay so joe joe Blankmar's big five you ready yeah 
first one so answer as quick as you can that's the key okay. I mean, we right. haven't got a time limit or anything but as quick as you can is key okay so this can be adult or child i don't mind but your favorite book favorite book is um i read a book recently called atomic habits by james clear uh and i love that i thought okay. it was it was really cool brilliant most important attribute as a teacher um i think empathy i think it's a bit and i do you know what just and i know you want quick answers don't you but i feel like i need <laughs> okay. to expand on that i think empathy because and empathy is almost sounds a bit wishy-washy doesn't it there's so much more stuff that happens in our job but i think if you just understand where people are coming from especially mm -hmm. with young people and yep. just it just it, everything stems from that you can build good relationships you can help them progress you can know when to push when to, when to sit off when to accept um certain levels of disruption even making that kind of positive behavior management so i think everything un comes from understanding the people that are sat in front of you absolutely is jaffa cake a biscuit or a cake and i know there's a legal answer but i want your opinion I'm going cake because it's, it's, they literally have told us it's a cake. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm a sheep in that respect. I follow the, yeah, the marketing. Most important attribute as a mentor. It, can, it could be the I same as a teacher. No, I think it's it, preparation, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, making sure you know what's expected, making sure that the trainee feels comfortable, that you know, you know your stuff yeah. and you know what's, what's going to be involved in the in the role and what they need to do and that they've got everything handed in at the right time etc and finally you're hosting a dinner party for anyone you would like dead or alive who would be your first guest oh just one you, you'll have more at their party but you know you want to make sure that this person is right there. this this person's key to the whole this this the whole exactly shebang. right right um i'm going to invite david ambra Oh, great choice. It's a bit, it's almost become the go-to answer, hasn't it? But just imagine the <laughs> things he'd talk about. And, and also people are coming. If you say, oh yeah, David's coming, people are going to be there, aren't they? <laughs> I also don't think anyone would ever say anything because they'd just be listening to the wisdom yeah. coming from David Attenborough for the 10 hours that you're all <laughs> Bless him, down. it would turn into a dinner party, which is just essentially <laughs> yeah. a lecture from David Attenborough. But. Oh, well, there you go. Well, not too intimidating, hopefully. No, they were good, yeah. Okay, good. Brilliant, Joe. That's 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 everything uh, for this week. Really good to talk to you, not just about kind of the changes that you've made to your own mentoring processes within your provision, but about chewing the fat about everything to do with teacher training and, and your program and, and the development of that. Best of luck with thank you. September and all the changes that are coming. Yeah, thank you. And, um, and, and good luck to yourself and to everyone else. Can I just give a little plug? Uh, my podcast is called The Talking Teachers and you can find us on Twitter spotify apple podcast all of the stuff all the i can highly recommend it as well oh, as a brilliant kind. podcast with some really good guests if you if you can go through the back catalog there's some there's some great episodes including yourself which is of course yeah. the best one though i did only i it is the only part of the podcast that is two parts it's a two-part episode so i feel like that probably suggests i was probably the lowest <laughs> level of guests that they but had i, they I like was they needed I was the second part guest, so <laughs> yes, therefore at least we're both on the same page. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Joe. Yeah, no problems. Bye. A huge thanks to Joe for giving up his time to speak to us on this week's podcast. 
A huge thank you also to you for tuning in and downloading this episode. You can find us on all the usual platforms that you download your podcast from, and we'll be back soon with the latest episode from the Thames Podcast. Until then, stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye.